So we will open up with just a couple announcements and make sure everybody's on the same page with some upcoming events and such. And uh, so one thing for sure I want to make sure you know about is we mentioned it on Sunday uh, that um, Avi and Kevin, who have been attending here for a little bit, uh, they've been engaged for a lot of years. And so they are getting married um, October 28th here at the church. And they would love for the church family to be a part of this. And so if you're available, they would love to have you come and support them and encourage them and be there for them. Um, you can actually at the Welcome Center, there's an area for RSVP. So please make sure you RSVP. Do not just show up. They're going to do food and all that. So please make sure you get your name in there. There's a little basket with RSVPs and then a little bag that can go in. So please make sure you do that. Um, also, she was very adamant, no gifts. No gifts of any kind. They just want your company and you there with them. So that's going on. So please make sure you know that. A couple other things I want to make sure you know about real quick here. Um, coming up this October 7th, we have a couple things going on. We've got for the men, we've got our men's uh, prayer breakfast starting up on October 7th, 8 a.m. Ladies have a ladies day out at 9.30 that day. So don't forget about that, ladies. Uh, meet here at the church, and then I think you guys are going up to Frankenmuth, and there's uh, a map at the Welcome Center if you need more information on all of that. Uh, you can see uh, Kelsey or Barb would have more, Barb Goodwin would have more information as well. Um, also, I'll let you know, we do have a uh, youth all-nighter coming up for this month. So busy month, men's chili cook-off is October 21st, and the time on that is 11 to 2. So if you're a hunter... We kind of made it perfect in the middle of the day, so you can kind of go in the morning, go back out in the evening, should be good to go. Uh, one thing about this as well is the event is completely free. So because of how the Lord blessed that our spring men's event, we were able to provide the, the finances for the chili cook-off. So this October 21st coming up, going to be men's chili cook-off. Any and all guys are welcome. Doesn't matter. They can be younger, grandkids, kids. Um, you also don't have to make a chili to come, guys, but we encourage you to do so. What's going to happen is everyone's going to take a little bit of each chili, and it's kind of like popular vote. Whoever gets the most votes wins. There will be prizes. Obviously, we have a trophy. Your name will go on the trophy and all that. Uh, Rick Hogue is excited to defend his championship from last year. So, Oh, wait, no. William won last year. You won two years ago. That's right. So William Vaughn is the defending champion. So, look, I was trying to rob you of your, your props and your glory. My bad. Oh, okay. You're afraid of losing this time around? Hey, but at least you won once, right? That's cool. Your name's on the trophy forever. It's going to live in infamy. That's right. He was first, though. So there is that. So... So it sounds to me like you guys already have a little competition. I like it. So, yeah, we're good to go. Um, I'm going to win it, so it doesn't really matter. But um, the encouragement, yeah, it's just you feel, you can taste it. It's palpable. Um, all right. So that's going to be going on, guys. So please come out for that. Invite people to come. It's for anyone, not just for guys in our church. Um, and again, you don't have to make a chili, but if you'd like to, that's always better to have more than not. We're also going to do a cornhole tournament, so there'll be prizes for that as well. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, also, something I want to make sure you know about well in advance is we have our Harvest Hayride coming up. Um, again, I told you guys it's going to get busy between now and Christmas. Um, that's going to be October 27th. This is the family event we do over at the Proctor's Barn um, over on Haslick Road. And so there will be an insert in the bulletin this week with the address on it and all of that. Um, so we have a lot of fun with that. There will be a hayride. Um, usually we get a couple hay wagons going, so it's a lot of fun. Um, again, completely free. There is a sign-up sheet at the Welcome Center if you'd like to bring a dish to pass. 
um, different things, chips, uh, hot dogs, chilies, those kind of things. So sign up if you're interested in that. Uh, but it's always a great time. We love to fill that barn and uh, have a great time with that. So even if it's kind of rainy out, we're still going to have the event. We kind of depend, uh, the weather kind of t- determines the hayride. So if it's raining real hard and all of that, we may not do the hayride, but we're still going to have an event no matter what, all right? And we'll do some fun things with the kids and stuff too. All right, so that's the major announcements I have other than um, October 1st. I almost forgot this. Uh, children's musical practices start this coming Sunday evening. So it goes during our evening service, so 6 to 7.15. Everyone will meet in here. So we're going to meet together in here, kids and everyone. We're going to have our worship like normal, that first worship song. Then we're going to dismiss the kids and helpers and leaders that are doing that down the hallway. All right? So second through eighth grade is available to, to be a part of the musical. So if you're interested, you can still sign up at the Welcome Center. Kids, grandkids, whatnot, please sign up, though, so we know. Um, and we're excited for that starting up. So I know it's hard to believe, but we start practicing now, so we're definitely ready by Christmas. All right? So excited for that. Any questions about any upcoming events, activities, anything at all? Any questions, comments, anything like that? Have you heard anything from construction help? I don't know anything about that. I would talk to uh, Renee Corbett, see if Renee knows anything. Um, As far as I know, usually uh, Keith handles the set building, and I don't know who he's got kind of helping him. Um, but I know that there's always a couple of people that are helping with that. So let, and I don't even know what the sets are going to be this year, obviously. So, um, talk to Renee and let her know, and then she can kind of direct you there. So good question. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Thank you. Yep. So, um, something that Jeff and Emma Proctor, uh, wanted to do, um, Saturday. Do you remember the time? I don't remember the time. Okay. Uh, so if you guys don't know, so Jeff and Emma are currently living uh, at Stephen Kelly's property there in, on Haslick Road. And so there's going to be a uh, young kind of families event for those uh, 50 and under, or under 50, however you want to look at that. Um, and so they're just wanting to do kind of a fun afternoon of volleyball and stuff. Um, so if you're in that age range and you'd like to be a part of that, Kids are welcome, obviously. going to be a lot of fun. So um, unfortunately, I love that they came up with this idea all on their own. That was awesome. Um, unfortunately, kind of fortunately, um, Anthony has the opportunity just because of an invite thing that went out and he wanted to take advantage of it. Um, Saturday, he's going to be able to march uh, in the Western Michigan marching band. And so he, we got to be there. I think we got to be at Western Michigan at like 730 in the morning or something. And so I don't know what I'm going to do all day, but he gets to do cool stuff with the band and all kinds of fun stuff and march on the field and all that. So, so, um, love that this opportunity is there. So we're going to be doing that, but if you're available, feel free to come on by the proctor's place, have some fun, food, fellowship, volleyball, all that stuff. Um, and it's a nice sand volleyball court they've got there. So it's a lot of fun. So thank you uh, for remembering that. Any other questions, comments, or thoughts or anything? All right, well, let's open in prayer, and then we'll dive into our devotion. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this evening. And Lord, we do praise you for just your goodness and grace in our lives and all that you continue to show us, to provide for us, to bless us with, Lord. Uh, We honestly could spend the rest of this service just praising you by giving you praise and honor for all that you are. And Lord, it's so important that we remember that. It's not just about what you do 
or the blessings that come from you, although those are amazing and we're so thankful for those things, really, Lord, we have reason to praise you just because of who you are, just because of the God you declare yourself to be. And so, Lord, I pray that you would just help us to have an open heart and mind to what you have for us tonight, Lord. Thank you for your word, which goes before us. Thank you for your spirit that works in us. And, Lord, I pray that we would be open to what your word has for us, that we'd apply it to our hearts and minds, Lord, and see you change us and conform us into the image of Christ. So, Lord, again, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for all these that have gathered, that are here with us, uh, Lord, to get into your word and spend some time in prayer tonight. We thank you for all of our ministries going on right now. Lord, we thank you for um, Word of Life and uh, the Olympians and Gopher Buddies. Lord, we thank you for the student ministry. And, and we just pray that you'd work through the volunteers and the teachers and the leaders. Be with those who are teaching tonight, Lord. And I pray, Lord, you give them clarity of mind and the strength to be able to communicate effectively. Lord, we pray also for the students and the kids that are hearing the word tonight, that they be receptive to what you have for them. And Lord, I'm so thankful for the many kids that are here tonight, children and teens. Uh, Lord, may we realize that there's no age limit to serving Christ. And these kids that are right now studying the word and engaging in prayer and worship, they're not the church of tomorrow. They're the church today. And as followers of Christ, you desire to use them right where they are. And so thank you for them, Lord, their, their love for you, their excitement. And I pray you'd continue to just bless tonight, Lord, in all that we say and do, that you and you alone would receive all the glory and all the praise. Lord, we gather for your, re, for your name that we would celebrate you above all things. We don't come for us, Lord. We come to receive from you that we might in turn worship you effectively. So, Father, help us to worship in spirit and in truth and to do so with a joyful heart. And we thank you for all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So tonight, like I, I said for the last month, um, we are going to start, and I don't know that we'll finish. We probably will. Uh, I would like to start looking at if the Lord was to write us a letter, like he wrote the letters to the seven churches in Revelation, what might be some things that he would write to us? What might be some things that he would want us to know? Some good and, and maybe some correction. And so we're going to start that tonight. So I do have a handout for you guys. So if I can get maybe a volunteer or two um, that can hand out some handouts, and then I've got some clipboards. So Scott's coming uh, Jeff, Josh, yeah, come on up, guys. So we got handouts for you guys. Um, if you're here with a spouse, if you could share, that would be great, just because I think we have enough, but just in case. And then there you go, there you go. Clipboards, if you need clipboards, Jeff's got those, and he'll help you out with those. So I like that sweater, Jeff. That's a nice one. Uh, does anyone need a pen? Anyone need a pen? I almost threw it, but then I dropped it. That was the Lord telling me, don't throw that. Poke an eye out. Anyone? Oh, there you go. Two pens. You're so demanding. Anyone else? Oh. Yep. Anyone else? If there are enough handouts when you guys are done, you guys can each take one. There should be some left over, so. All right. Thank you, sir. Does anyone else need a handout or a clipboard? All right. It looks like we do have... If, you, if we have extra, couples don't have to share. We do have some extras. So if somebody wants their own, we can do that too. Anyone sharing that doesn't want to share? 
Oh, he needs a clipboard. I, I read that sign language from here. So, yeah. Anyone else? Sandra always makes fun of me because I can't read, like, when she tries to, like, whisper to me, you know, like, mouth words to me. I have no idea what she's saying. So we'll be in a setting where she's trying to be very, like, you know, just trying to say something, like, off the side. And I like to make it really awkward. And I'll just be like, what? What? I can't hear you. And she's like, shut up. I'll tell you later. <laughs> I know it's hard to think that she would tell me to shut up. But, you know, pray for her. Pray for her. She's still growing in the Lord, so. All right. I'm kidding. She's obviously the holy one. So, all right. Um, So tonight, what I'd like to do is we're going to follow kind of the same format we've been doing all along. So just to kind of get everybody on the same page, in case you're new with us or haven't been here when we were doing the seven churches, we finished up a couple films dealing with the seven churches. Um, And so the first film um, is in the library, I believe. I don't know that it's been like made available to check out just yet. I know Avi's probably working on that. So both films will be in the library. So give it maybe a couple of weeks and you should be able to check those out. Um, if you'd like to take them home, watch them with family, friends, whatever. Um, I was able to take the first one after we finished. I took the first one home and watched it with the boys and absolutely loved it. It was just so great. So, so if you want to do that, it'll be in the library for you to check out and to kind of have available to you. So we encourage you to do that. All right. But saying that, what we did was back in the summer, uh, as we always do on Wednesday nights, we open it up if somebody would like to share, you know, something they want to study. So uh, we've had different Bible books that were mentioned. We did a study through the book of Exodus and other things. And so back in the summer, uh, somebody asked, hey, can we do a study through the book of Revelation? And so we began that study in June and started working through that. And so what we started with was right in the beginning of Revelation, there are uh, two chapters, chapter two and chapter three, that deal with seven letters to seven churches that existed in the early church in about 2,000 years ago. And so we studied through those seven churches, kind of walked through each one, looked at, you know, kind of what did each one have to benefit us, to to give us insight. Um, One of the things that we noticed was the cultural background, historical background, all the different things that went into that, and then looked at, okay, what was this church's words of encouragement that Christ gave it? What were some words of encouragement that we could glean from as a church today? But then also there were some churches that received some words of correction or words of rebuke where maybe they weren't doing this or that according to God's word or what God would have. And so the Lord corrects them. And so we spent a lot of time taking each one of those churches over one or two weeks, each church. And then we kind of spent some time watching these two films that I mentioned that kind of take us on location to those two or seven uh, areas, those regions where those churches would exist today in modern day Turkey. And so we spent a lot of time looking at that. In doing that, back in the late summer, the Lord kind of laid in my heart, okay, if, if the Lord was to write a letter to North Goodland, what would that letter sound like? Like he does to the church at Sardis or Philadelphia or Laodicea or one of the other seven churches. And so just kind of thinking through, praying through over the last few weeks, a um, couple months really, uh, what, Lord, where would you take us in scripture? Now, let's, let's back up a little bit. We know that he has written to us as a church because his word is given to the church, to the believers. And it's given to us for our benefit and our blessing and our growing and understanding more about his character, his attributes, his plan for us, his purpose for us, all those things in the world today. But I was thinking more specific. Like, are there some specific things that maybe God would encourage us in as a church that we're doing well for the kingdom? Or are there some areas that maybe we need to pray, Lord, give us strength to get 
to get better in these areas, to grow in these areas. And so that's where we're going to kind of start tonight. We're just going to kind of walk through that handout and kind of look at some key things that I kind of believe the Lord might be encouraging us in. Now, to say why, where that kind of comes from, um, I've been at the church since 1998. I actually came to Christ in the youth ministry here when I was 16 and came on staff. And it kind of mentions a little bit in the introduction there. In 2005 as a youth pastor and then 2012 as a senior pastor. So been here for, for quite a few years where I've seen our church kind of transition through a lot of different seasons. And so I'm trying to take kind of that big picture of where the, what I've seen over the last, you know, 25 years, where we've been really, really strong and, and maybe where we've lacked, um, and, and kind of taking all of that to Scripture and saying, okay, Lord, how would you help us to grow as a church? And so that's the basis for all of this. Now, in your introduction there, you're going to see one of the things we did with all the seven churches where we talked about kind of the background of each church, when it was founded, uh, the history of it, who founded it, all those kind of things. And so in your opening there, I kind of talk about this a little bit. Um, North Goodland, and that I think it's technically the third little paragraph. North Goodland was founded as an independent Baptist church in 1898. So our church was actually founded in this county, in this community, in 1898. Now, it was in existence a few years before that, not as it is today as an independent church. There was a different denominational background. So we kind of look at 1898 as kind of like our founding, okay? This is why we just celebrated a 125-year celebration back in March. Um, We have had many pastors over the, obviously, the course of, of the church's existence. Um, but one of the pastors that served here the longest was Pastor Crone. Now, some of you guys know him or you've met him before. He's since gone on to be with the Lord. Um, but just a truly amazing servant of God. Love the Lord. So he started pastoring here in 1959. And he stopped and retired in 1990. So that's, that's an amazing journey for him to walk through pastoral ministry for 31 years like that. Now, in 1990, they had another pastor come on who was here for about a year or so, and then uh, he stepped away. Pastor Crone filled the pulpit for a little bit there. Then another person came on for a couple years, and Pastor Crone filled the pulpit when they stepped away for various reasons. Um, So Pastor Crone really kind of filled the pulpit up until from 1990 until Pastor Tom Blount began serving here as pastor in 1996. And so I just want to take a moment and just recognize and and really honor uh, what Pastor Crone did for this church for 31 plus years. Um, He was retired. He didn't have to get in the pulpit. He didn't have to continue to put in the work. But he loved the church so much that when a pastor would step away, he didn't really want it to just sit idle. He wanted to make sure that that he was doing his part to see the Lord glorified in the church. And so, so I just want to honor Pastor Crone for a moment, just recognize what he meant to the church, what he did for the church for so many years, um, and just really appreciate his legacy here. Again, I began pastoring a senior pastor in 2012 after starting in ministry here as a youth pastor in 2005. And so, again, came to the Lord, was saved in this youth ministry in 98 through camp ministry, and then actually that summer was baptized. So just amazing to see how God has shaped our church and moved our church. Um, and so what I want to do is I'm going to dive into this opening couple texts and then talk about a little bit kind of how the Lord has continued to do these things. All right? So first thing we noticed in all seven churches was that Jesus was identified by John. When John was writing to a church, he would take a verse or two and identify who Christ is to that church, establishing the authority of Christ to be the one speaking to the church because it's his church. 
So here we see that letter A, Jesus identifies himself. Jesus identifies himself, and he does this as, number one, the builder of the church. The builder of the church. So Matthew chapter 16, we're going to turn there. And uh, if somebody would like to read that for us, you guys hear enough of me when I sit up here and talk, so I'd love to give somebody else share. But Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18 is where we're going to start. And there's more to this passage, a lot more to it, but we're just going to look at the key verse of verse 18 and talk a little bit about this. So Matthew chapter 16 and verse 18. So when somebody's there that would like to read, Julie, awesome, thank you. Oh, sorry, Margie. I'll get you next time. I got you. No, it's fine. Go ahead. You, you got it. Matthew uh, 16, 18, please. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Okay. So this is a kind of a famous moment in the Gospels, especially for the Apostle Peter. So, so Jesus spends a couple moments asking the disciples, hey, what's the, what's the rumors about me? Like, what's going around in the community about who I am? So they answer some different questions. Well, some say you're Elijah, come back from the dead. Some say you're John the Baptist, reincarnated. Uh, some say you're a great prophet. So Jesus stops all that. And I love that he doesn't even address those misconceptions. He doesn't go, this is why I'm not Elijah. And this is why I'm not John the Baptist. And this is, he just stops them. And he says, okay, okay, who do you say that I am? And I, I love that he does this because he doesn't worry about the popular opinion. He focuses in on those that have walked with him for three years. Like, you guys know me. You've seen me. We've ate meals together. We've spent a lot of time together. You've seen all that I've done in the Lord. Who do you say that I am? And I love this moment because we know some of the disciples who walked and lived with Jesus for three and a half years still didn't fully get who he really was up until his death on the cross and resurrection. And so Peter, who gets a lot of blame as being kind of a very extreme-minded individual, right? He's always kind of just saying things, these ultimatums and all of this. So Peter speaks out, and he basically says, uh, and Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus affirms that and says, you're right, and that wasn't given to you by flesh and blood, meaning you didn't come up with that on your own. The Spirit of God gave that to you. But then he says, he takes it a step farther, and he says, I say unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So this is amazing. This is Christ saying in a kind of a, a summary sense, I'm going to build my church. So that's why we identify Christ. If he was writing to our church, we identify him as the builder of the church. He is the one building his church. We do not build his church. We cannot build his church. And I'm not talking about brick and mortar or drywall and studs. I'm talking about the spiritual aspect of drawing people into the body of Christ, building up the church, the believers, the body of Christ, that are all believers everywhere. We're all considered the body. So he says this to him. Now, again, there's some debate, uh, depending on who you ask about this. Some people say, oh, well, he's saying Peter is the rock that he's building on. But when you look at the original language, what he's saying is, Peter, you're a stone, and there's a foundation that you're going to fit into, and that foundation is what I'm building my church on. So what is the foundation that he is the Christ, the son of the living God? Jesus is saying that confessional statement, that's the foundation of the church. And Peter, you're a part of that. Just like the other apostles, disciples, those that write the word of God under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and believers today as God uses us. So again, we don't build the church, but he uses us as he builds his church, as we share Christ with others. And so we, he is the builder of the church. 
This has not changed for 2,000 years since the founding of the church, and it will not change moving forward. In different countries and people groups, God is and does build his church, and nothing prevents this church from moving forward. Now, I know we live in a culture today, in our Western culture, and we can tend to think, based on a lot of things that we hear, oh, the church is declining, the church is losing its members, and there is, in our culture, an evident moving away from Christian values and things of that nature. But that doesn't mean the church is not growing. It means that individuals are choosing to step away from the church. But that doesn't affect the church. It will continue to thrive because it's his church until the day that he calls us home. And so specifically, as we talk about all this idea of him building the church specifically, it made me realize that we as a church saw this happen firsthand. We saw him build our church. So I want to speak to that in a sense of spiritual, but also physical. So this building wasn't here until 2003. We were at a different church over here on Clear Lake Road and and Brown City Road, little country church. The auditorium could probably fit almost in the center section. It's pretty small. I think if you had 100 people in there, you were maxed out. That was packed capacity. And I always remember it was so funny going from one service down the stairs to the basement area where the fellowship hall, kitchen, bathrooms, all that was, and people were coming up for a service, and it was like, just like narrow hallway. And you're like, hey, how's it going? Morning, yep, morning, how's it going? Yep, and you're just like bumping into people going down the stairs that are coming up. But I always remember that when we were building this church and preparing to build this church, the pastor encouraged us to just pray for God to do what needed to be done. We did not have, as a church, the money to do anything like this. And so I remember we were a church a little under 200 at the time. And I remember almost every Sunday, people would just be at the altar, just praying and praying and praying. And I know I've shared this before, but it's always impacted me. Just, I mean, constantly praying. We did these 24-hour prayer vigils where people would just sign up, hey, I'll pray for an hour a day at this time. And, and people were just committing it to the Lord. And we started raising some funds. And I'm telling you, within a short time, weeks, this money starts getting, and we're not talking about people that had wealthy careers. These are farmers and everyday ordinary people, and they were just giving faithfully, saying, you know what, Lord, we believe, and God blessed that. And then we built this building, and the first Sunday in this building, we had 400 people show up. So first Sunday, double what we were running at the other building. And I just, we couldn't believe it. Like, I remember everybody was just like, is this seriously, like, God is doing amazing things. People are just like flowing into the building. People are getting saved. They're coming to Christ. God's doing all these amazing things. And we got to sit back and kind of watch both spiritually and physically God build his church from a little country church. And I remember there was one newspaper article that was in the paper about the church way back. And the road, uh, Clear Lake Road and Brown City Road kind of dead ends in the Clear Lake. And there's the parking lot super small. We had cars. Parking lot was full, both sides of the church. There was cars lining Clear Lake Road and going up Brown City Road, like just packed. And somebody drove by and was like, what is going on at this church? That was just Sunday morning. That wasn't a special service, a big dinner, just Sunday morning. And the newspapers heard about it. They were taking pictures. And what's going on at this little church in the cornfield? And I remember the pastor at the time said, all we're doing is just lifting up Jesus. That's all we're doing. We're just lifting him up. It's not about us. And this is the thing. When a church is about Christ and not building a brand— and they're about honoring Christ and serving their community and preaching the gospel of grace and the glorious gospel of peace. And we're not building a brand or an image or it's not about me as the pastor or even about you or the praise team. It's amazing what God would do when we just get out of his way and we just let him start working. And it's amazing what we saw happened. Now, unfortunately, we got a little full of ourselves. We looked around and we said, man, this is, this is pretty sweet. 
Look, look at this. We're a thriving church in Emily City. And we got 400 people showing up. And it didn't take long for that pride and that arrogance to kind of seep in. And within a few years, we hit some roadblocks. We had some bumps in the road. And so again, it's amazing that we could see those things happen, but we have to be careful we don't forget those things. Because God, by the way, he's still a church-building God. He still does these things. God grants unto us the privilege of being involved in what he is doing in the world through his church, through prayer and serving. So we believe wholeheartedly he is a church-building God. And I'm not just talking about buildings. And we understand people can build buildings a lot of ways. I don't know that God always blesses that. But we want to be a church that's built first inwardly on the principles of Christ and the reality of Christ. And then that overflows into him building a church. There's a story in the Bible. I absolutely love it. There was a man that was uh, lame, not lame like lame, lame, like couldn't walk lame. Okay. Um, I always had to clarify that for the students when I was a youth pastor. I was like, this guy was lame. And they were like, the Bible says that? That seems weird. Um, but he couldn't walk. And his four friends took him to Jesus. You guys know the story. And they try to get into Jesus. He's in this house. And it's just so overcrowded. You can't even press through the multitude of people. I mean, it's just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. So these guys had two choices. We can either just go, oh, we'll, we'll get Jesus later. We'll just wait till he's not busy. We'll come back another time. Or... This man, our friend, needs Christ because we know Jesus can change the situation and help him. So we're going to do whatever it takes to get him to Jesus. And so the story goes what? They climb up on a roof. They remove some of the ceiling, most likely some of the thatched ceiling at that time, which again is a great story unless you're the owner of the house. Like you're like, dude, get off my roof. Like, what are you doing? And they lower this man down into the midst of Jesus and he honors the friends for being so faithful to get this man to Jesus and blesses the man. And it talks about their faith being so strong. And he heals the man. And the reason I love that story is when Jesus is involved, people will come to hear Jesus. I mean, they pack that place out. And I would love, I I can't wait for the day when literally all these doors are open because there's so many people. And And they're not coming because they have a nice band. Or they have some awesome children's ministry. Or they've got this. Or they've got that. They're coming because, man, when I go there, I just know they talk about Jesus. And, and they talk about the word. And it just changes something in me. Because I need that. I'm not satisfied. I, I'm missing something. But, man, when I hear of Christ and what he can bring into my life, that satisfies. And I believe God is that kind of God that can do those kind of things in today's day and age. I remember when I was in Romania on a missions trip, we were at a church, a gypsy church. And it was kind of different because they separated the men and the women, just part of their culture. And so the men were in one wing and the women were kind of over here. And outside there was all the kids. They just played during church. There wasn't like a junior church. There was like a small building. And I remember it was so cool. I was looking around and some of the moms and some of the kids are like hanging in the windows, like listening to the music and stuff. And so when I got up to preach and there was a translator there, he was translating it into Romanian I'm looking around, and there's just, like, it's just packed full of people standing. You look at these little, like, just open cutout windows in the brick. There's no windows. And kids are, like, just hanging in the window, listening and engaging. I mean, babies are being babies, you know. Like, it's just cool. They're crying. And it's just very, like, all these people are just doing life together. And I was, like, looking around thinking, man, this, this is the church. Like, this is what it's supposed to look like. Now, I'm not saying we're going to bring all the kids in here Sunday, okay? So some of you are like, 
can you please not let my kids come in or something? I like that. I can kind of say, go to class. Like, I'll see you in 45 minutes. And that's okay. Don't feel bad about that. But what I mean is this, though. Like, like God is doing something in his church. And we, we have tunnel vision. We think, oh, it's only happening the way we see it. But this is a global gospel. Like, there are things happening all over the world that you can't even imagine what God is doing because he's a church-building God. And he's building his church. And he's doing it right here, by the way. And he's doing it in us. So how exciting is that? So first thing we need to recognize as a church, if Jesus was the right to us, I believe he would want us to know that he's the one building the church. We're not building anything. Number two in your notes, he is the healer of the church. He is the healer of the church. So first and foremost, this is true in our own lives. And I don't mean physical healing necessarily, although he is a healing God. He can heal us of any disease if he so wills. But what I mean by healing is deeper than that. I think he brings about restoration in relationships. He brings about peace. That when we're struggling with something, he can give us that peace and that satisfaction. Not because everything got better. Not because everything was perfect. But because we know that even if it doesn't change, even if it doesn't get better, I have him and that's all I really need. And he brings that healing into our hearts and minds. And again, he does this through his word. He does this through his spirit. He does this through other believers. But now specifically, what about North Goodland? In what ways has North Goodland seen God be a healing God, that the Lord is a healing God? Um, Our church endured a season, and if you were here for this, you know this firsthand, or if you came shortly after, you experienced some of this as well. Um, Our church endured a season of division and bitterness uh, leading up to and following a church split in 2007. So now I said the church was built in 03. So 03, 04, 05, and 06, God was doing amazing things. About halfway through 06, people just started getting divided and bitter, um, rumors and gossip. And I truly believe gossip will kill a church faster than anything else as far as relationships and stuff. People started getting this very kind of like it's my way or it's no way. And it's like you better do what I want. And there was just this tension. And so in 2007, we had a church split. And about 100 people left the church. At that time, we were about 350. So about 100 people left the church. And then following that, there was kind of this like season of, you know, okay, we're excited again and God's going to do some great things. And, and yet there was still this kind of remnant in our church of still this division, this kind of bitterness, this kind of infighting going on, kind of all behind the scenes. And then in 2011, our senior pastor resigned. And what that caused, what some called a second split, not really wasn't as severe in some ways as the first split. But when that was said and done, now there's even division now because some people really wanted to take control. And now I can get my way and we can do what we want. And there was business meetings where people were screaming at each other. uh, Church services where people are arguing out in the lobby. And I remember thinking one Sunday morning, just seeing some of this. And obviously it's not everybody. So understand when I say this. This is not the whole church. This is small little pockets of church. A couple people, Okay. And church is real. Church is genuine or whatever. And we can get mad and we can say things in the moment. And instead of taking it to the Lord and surrendering it to him, they were trying to solve all the problems. So this season went on. But I remember there was one Sunday I, I looked around and I thought, Lord, this is not the love of Christ. This is not what the gospel is supposed to look like. Like this is, this is a horrible example of what you really want to do in someone's life. And so we went through that season. And it was, it was up and down. It was kind of back and forth. And then about early 2014, the Lord began to bring healing. 
And I think he was doing it all along. I really do in a lot of people's lives. But on a larger scale, all of a sudden, we just started noticing like a different attitude in the church. It sounds funny, but a different atmosphere in the church, a different feeling in the church. And I'm not a feelings guy, okay? Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying everything. I'd be like, you know, warm and fuzzies, okay? Because um, I think that can be a little ridiculous too, especially in our culture today. But um, it was just different when you walked into the church. You're like, okay, something's changing. Now, I should say also during this time, um, our roof decided to almost fall in. Um, so we found out that all of our trusses had broke free and were shifting and moving because bracing wasn't done correctly. And they had to go in and fix the entire roof of the church. And we had to get kind of kicked out of the building. So from about September of 2013, so January of 2014, we were not having church in this building. We were meeting in the township hall down the road here, the Goodland Township Hall. And I got to tell you, it was the greatest thing for us as a church. It was the greatest thing because of this reason. We went from having these pockets of people arguing and, you know, fighting and all this. Now we're just crammed into this little room. And it's like you're literally sitting on top of somebody. And I loved it because through that process, we also realized we don't need a building to be the church. Like the church is the body of Christ apart from this building. Now, thank God for this building because we've been able to use it in a lot of ways for his glory. But we don't need this building to be the church. The church is, again, being built in us by the, by the spirit through the word. And so again, going through that, and so I've been the pastor for one year, right? 2012 to 2013. I come in the building. Two deacons are down here by the welcome center. I'm walking down. They're looking all kind of, oh, I don't know. I don't, I'm like, oh, great. Here we go. I walked up and said, what's, what's going on, fellas? And they said, well, this is Friday. Well, we can't have church here Sunday. One more time. You want to run that? What? What? Two days? You can't do what? They said, nope, we're red tagged. We're condemned because the roof is in such bad shape. It literally could fall in on people. Okay. So I called the Christian school in Emily City. We started there for four weeks, and they were so gracious. I called them and said, hey, can we use your gym Sunday? They went, absolutely. Like, what do you need? How many chairs? What can we do to help? Do you need any classrooms? We'll open up all of our classrooms. You can use as much of the classrooms as you want. Now, we did have to, we gave them money to rent the space, but the initial thing was not, it's going to cost you X. It was, we'll worry about all that later. And I was happy to be able to help them out because they're doing an amazing thing as a Christian school in the community. So why not be a blessing to them? We did that for four weeks. Then we moved a little closer to the Goodland Township Hall. And I'll never forget, we're in this, the, if you've ever been in there, it's just like, a, like the room where they have their meetings. And the kitchen is right here to the left. Were you doing junior church then? Okay, so Julie was doing junior church then. So the kitchen's in there. That's where junior church was. Now, in retrospect... Putting elementary kids with the knives, probably not a great idea, but you do what you got to do. They survived. They survived. Did, they, did you die? No, you didn't die. So you're fine. Um, and then I remember the lobby, the front lobby was the nursery. So we locked the front doors of the hall. We opened like the back door. Back of my minivan had a tote in it with like a traveling nursery, rugs and toys and all kinds of stuff. And Sandra would set up the nursery in the front. We'd come on Saturday night, set up all the chairs. We had a makeshift screen that we kind of built and put up set up the projector, had worship, tore it all down right after. And it was so good for our church. Like, honestly, when I heard that news, I thought, Lord, you, I'm, I quit. I'm one year in, and this is what you're doing? Like, I didn't sign up for all this. But the Lord, through that, did something that we never would have seen happen had we stayed in the building. It's, it's the Lord. Now, I'm not saying the Lord made our roof almost fall in. That was the decision of human beings that did a poor job. But God uses those moments 
if we'll surrender to him and say, okay, Lord, what are you trying to teach me in this? And he grew our church. So, so many people, every time that happened, we were on the news, by the way, like some ABC 12 or whatever it is out in, is that Saginaw or whatever? And they came to the church, they're interviewing us, and they talked about the Christian school, and I was like, this is pretty crazy. I didn't get the channel, so I didn't get to watch it. But anyway, I watched it online, I think, later. But, but as we're going through all this, the question I got all the time was, how many people did you lose? I mean, you must have lost a lot of people. I said, no, actually, we gained people. Like, we had people going like, wait, where are you guys having church? I got to see this. The township hall? Let me go check that out. And so we came back in the building, and there was an excitement and an energy, and just everybody was pumped to be back in the building. And through that next couple of months, that small remnant, by the way, division always starts in a small group. It's never the multitude. It's always one or two. That small group that I learned something also in this personally, which I'm thankful for, that small group decided we need to move on. And they moved on. And I pray they're doing well, and I pray they're active in the church, Because the other thing I learned is that even though people made choices during that time, I'm so thankful that the Lord, after the fact, now in the moment, I was not always thinking as I should. We let the flesh lead. We get upset, right? We think things we shouldn't think. We say things. I've had to say to people over the years, hey, I'm really sorry. That was a wrong way to handle that. But I'm so thankful the Lord revealed me, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. So there were people that made some decisions that heightened the division, that just caused the scene to seemingly cause the scene. But I'm so thankful the Lord was like, you know what? That's not your enemy. That's your brother or sister in Christ. That's at least your neighbor, whether they're saved or not, that needs Christ. So what do we do? We love our neighbor, right? And so I'm still thankful the Lord taught me that lesson. As a church, I believe it helped us more than anything else. So he's the builder of the church. I, I almost put in there, in the second point, the rebuilder of the church, because he, he allowed it to be taken care of. But he's the healer of the church. And just watching that take place was such a blessing. Seeing relationships restored and people come back together. So here's the point. There is nothing in our lives that if we will surrender it to him that he can't restore and redeem and use for his glory and our blessing. I know that's hard to believe. I've gone through things that I'm, there's no way that's true, Lord. Now I look back years later and I can see his hand. Now here's the reality. There's other things I don't get. There's things in this book. I don't, I don't fully get every single thing in this book. And if anyone tells you they do, they're arrogant and they're lying. But it, I, I know that God is good because I read that he died on the cross for my sins, that he was buried and rose again on the third day. And then he says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Not whosoever does this pilgrimage or does these good works or travels over here and lights this candle and burns this. No, no, no. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord, admitting they've sinned, repenting, meaning turning from their sin, and trusting in Christ as Savior, the Bible says they're saved. And that will produce obedience unto Christ, obedience to his word, obedience to his will. Does it mean we're perfect? Nope. And the problem is too many Christians have tried to pretend they're perfect, and then when they're not perfect, people call that out and say, well, see, you're not perfect. But the problem is we're never perfect. We have a perfect Savior who is perfect, but I'm not perfect. I struggle every day. Because I'm a human being just like you. The difference is God has told me from his word that my salvation is secure, not in my performance, but in the guarantee of his cross, his gospel. So he is the builder of the church and the healer of the church. He's the builder of our lives and he's the healer of our lives. And so anything we go through, we can lay it at his feet and say, Lord, I don't get it. I wish I did, but I don't understand why you're doing this. I didn't understand why we had to leave our building for four months. That didn't make sense. That's not how I would have drawn it up. 
But the Lord knew, nope, this is what the church needs. And I remember sitting in a board meeting before I became the senior pastor. And I was young. I mean, this is 2012, and I'm one now. So, um, no, I'm 41. And so this was a few, you know, I was younger. And I remember one of the, the gentlemen on the board, he, we were talking about different things, and there was such division. And he said, our church needs someone to heal our church. Those were his words. And I'm sitting, I'm trying to just, I'm praying the whole time, Lord. Because when I was a little younger, you find this hard to believe. I was a little sarcastic and I was a little hot-tempered. I know that's so difficult to believe, but it's the truth. I was praying, Lord, give me wisdom. Like, I don't want to say anything that you don't want me to say. And I remember this person said, we need somebody to come in. First he said, we need someone to heal our church. And then he said, we need someone to come in and heal our church. And he looked at me and said, and you can't heal our church. Because he didn't want me to be the pastor. He thought that's what people thought. If I became the pastor, everything would be better. And I looked right at him and I said, man, you couldn't be more right. If you're looking to a human being to bring healing into your life and not look into the Lord first, you are going to be sorely mistaken, disappointed, and discouraged. Of course I can't bring healing to the church. I'm just me. I'm not God. But man, if we as a church would say, no, Lord, we want you. And we surrender that and we let go of bitterness and anger and envy and all this other stuff then the Spirit of God is able to work. And it's amazing how quickly healing can come. It's so quick how God can work in that. So it is through this season and the years following that that the Lord healed our church, not through the pastor or any leader, but by his Spirit. He drew us closer to him. He brought about the need for repentance and forgiveness. He led some to move on from the church and others to join our church. He is the healer of the church because it is his church. Of course, it's his church. It's his, he's the foundation of the church. Matthew 16, I will build my church. It's not your church. It's not my church. Now, we, we say that because it's our family, and I love that we think that way. But ultimately, we know it's really his church. We just get to be a part of what he's doing. And so we're going to kind of put a pin here because we need to dismiss from this and, and head to prayer in just a few minutes. But I pray that you know that he is the builder of the church and he is the healer of the church. And that doesn't just start externally. That also goes internally. That's what he does in our lives. So I just want to encourage you. You don't need to raise a hand or, or say anything out loud. But if you're here and you're saying, man, I'm really struggling in this area of my life. I'm really battling with something, whatever it could be. Health concern, job thing, relationship thing, addiction thing. I don't know what it could be but you know there's something going on that you just don't have that peace. You want healing. You want that satisfaction, that longing. I think of the woman at the well, John chapter 4. Jesus shows up. Hey, can you give me some water? She says, why are you talking to me? I'm a Samaritan. You're a Jew. We don't have any dealings. And he says, well, if you knew who was talking to you, you would ask of me and I would give you living water. And I always love that Jesus used physical illustrations to communicate a spiritual truth. And so she says, yeah, okay, give me that water. And I love that Jesus says, okay, go call your husband. And she says, oh, well, I don't have a husband. And he says, you're right. Not only is this man not your husband, the last so many men you've been with, not your husband. You've spoken truth, she says, he says. And then he begins to expound the gospel and expound that he's the Messiah. And she comes to faith in Christ. You know, culture tells us that she came to the well when she came to the well because she didn't want to be shamed by the other people in the community. 
She didn't want to have people seeing her, so she came at a time of the day when usually you didn't go get water because if she went in the normal time, all the ladies from the town would be there, and most people assume that means that she was gossiped about and talked about and all this. But I absolutely love that Jesus sat down on the well and just waited for her and didn't dismiss her, didn't rip on her. What did he do? He spoke truth and love. He, he gave her truth. And what did she do with it? You're right. I'm living in a sinful situation. That's wrong. And he acknowledges, you're speaking truth. Here's grace. He doesn't condemn her. He takes that and says, you answered right. And so to me, I love she was looking for that healing, that satisfaction, that longing that was not coming from some human relationship. But in Christ, as the minute she converted to Christ and realized who he was, she left her water pots, the Bible says, and she went through the whole town doing what? Come see a man who's told me everything I've ever done. Is this not the Messiah? And so people came. And they came, the Bible says, because of her testimony. But then they came and they heard Christ. And then they believed because of the words of Christ. So it's amazing to me that the testimony of this woman that at one time was so shamed and felt so guilty, she wouldn't even want to be at the well when other people were there, leaves that behind and says, nope, forget it. I need to tell everybody I can about what Jesus has done. And that's the transformation that can happen in Christ. He takes all that junk that we committed, all those sins, all that stuff, and we lay it at his feet in repentance and we say, I'm sorry, Lord, I've asked me, you forgive me of this. He forgives us and he restores us and then we can be used by him And that's how he's building his church, by saving sinners like us and then using us for his glory. And he heals us through the process of the Holy Spirit so that we're able to know that he's our full satisfaction. And so to me, this is just a start of where I kind of feel the Lord has taken our church. Next week, we'll talk about our good works. And I know that sounds a little bit arrogant, but what I mean is the things he's doing through us. And then we'll talk about a word of correction that I believe the Lord would give us. And then also just the ending in praise. All right? So we're going to do this. We're going to close this part of the service in prayer in just a moment. We're going to dismiss you guys. Uh, Prayer guides are up front here, so we'll have these for the men and the ladies. Ladies, you guys will come up front for a time of prayer if you'd like to be a part of that. Guys, we go down the hallway, out the door to the left. First door on the right past the bathrooms. If you would not like to be a part of the prayer time, totally fine. You can go out into the lobby out here, just kind of hang out. There's fresh coffee out there. I don't think there's any more of that. Dessert left. That looked like it was pretty well gone. So sorry if you didn't get some. Um, So help yourself with any kind of stuff. But any guys that would like to be a part of the prayer time, we're going to head down the hallway. Any ladies want to be a part of the prayer time, you come on up front. All right. And then we'll spend some time in prayer until about 8.15. All right. Well, let's pray. And we'll ask the Lord to go with us. Father, we come before you tonight, Lord, again, just so thankful for just knowing who you are from your word. And Lord, I pray that as we talk about these things, Lord, from our own church's history, Lord, I pray that you would just give us wisdom and understanding that we would learn from what we've gone through. Lord, it's true in historical learning and understanding, and it's true in the church. If we don't know our history, if we don't learn from it, we're bound to repeat it. And so, Lord, there was a time in our, our church's history where division was rampant and gossip and just things that did not reflect a walk with Christ. And so, Lord, I pray we'd learn from that. Again, we, we're all capable of those things. There's no one in this room that's any better than anyone else. We're all equally temptable. We all equally could fall into a sinful decision. And, Lord, I'll be the first to admit that in my Christian walk, I've sinned. I've made decisions that I should have never made. I knew they were sins, and 
Lord, yet at times in my walk, I, I made choices. And Lord, I, I understand that we all have experienced those kind of things, but I'm so thankful that where there's sin, there's the availability of grace. And the word says that where sin abounded, grace much more abounded. That your grace is greater than any sin. Lord, we don't say that, that we go into sin with a flippant attitude, or though it doesn't matter, it does matter. And the Bible says that, do we sin that grace may abound? God forbid. But Lord, I'm thankful that as followers of Christ, as we're striving to honor you and to please you, we stumble at times, and I'm so thankful that you pick us up. That when we turn from those things and repent of those things, you put our feet back on the solid rock and you will use us, just as you did with Peter at the end of the Gospel of John. A man that denied you three times in one night while you were getting ready to be crucified for the sins of the world. And yet, when you sat with him after your resurrection, you encouraged him. You put him into work and purpose by saying, go and feed my sheep, feed my lambs. To the point where he was the one that preached on the day of Pentecost, where thousands came to Christ. Only you can use a failure like him and a failure like me for your glory. It's because it's by grace and through faith. It's not good works. Nobody in this room, nobody in this world can work themselves to heaven. If perfection is the goal, if that's the line of what we need to achieve, that's impossible. But when we trust in the forgiveness of Christ, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and his sinless life, and that's credited to our account when we receive Christ, and it's as though we've never sinned. Again, Lord, what a blessing of salvation. Thank you for being the healer of our lives. So Lord, I pray if there's anyone here tonight, Lord, either in this room or listening online that doesn't know you as their Lord and personal Savior, maybe they've gone to church before, maybe they haven't, maybe they've read the Bible, maybe they haven't, maybe they've been baptized as an infant, I don't know. Lord, I pray by the working of your Spirit, you would draw them to repentance, that they would realize that they've sinned, that they've fallen short as we all have. The only hope of salvation is in Christ, to call upon the name of the Lord, to believe and watch their lives be changed for eternity. So Lord, we ask that you would do the things that only you can do. Give us a great rest of tonight as we continue to keep our eyes on you, focused in on what you have for us. Thank you for your word, as it's a light unto our feet and a lamp unto our path. I pray that it would guide us and direct us this week as we look for ways to honor you. Thank you again for every single person that is here. They mean so much to you, and I pray that they would know that. And so Father, again, we give you all the praise. Be with us in our prayer time, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.